Welcome to Healing with Worth, a podcast dedicated to healthy recovery and instilling hope in the wake of betrayal trauma. We are women who have experienced this intimately and want to offer hope to other women. While we may interview professionals on the show, the content should not be taken as therapeutic advice and is not meant to replace therapeutic healing. If you would like to join one of our free online worth groups to help with your betrayal trauma, you may find us at healingwithworth.org. Welcome back to Healing with Worth. I'm Naomi. I'm Janine. And I'm Cherlyn. We are so glad to be back and talking about another topic today. Last week, we talked with Kimberly Day. I keep adding the Burley because I like to say Kim instead of Kimberly. Her name is Kimberly Day. And we interviewed her about betrayal trauma. If you haven't listened to that episode, I would encourage you to go back to episode three and take a look at that and listen to it and see what you're able to pull out of it that is helpful for you. If we hope that you've been enjoying our podcast so far, and we would love for you to please donate to healingwithworth.org. Your donation allows us to offer hope and healing to women who've been experiencing betrayal trauma. This week, we're going to follow up with an episode about boundaries. Boundaries can be incredibly difficult to learn at first. With that said, I want all of the listeners today to walk away understanding that one, it's a learning process. Two, it's okay if you're not perfect at boundaries. And three, you can still set boundaries for your safety no matter what. To begin, I thought it would be a good idea to start with kind of a definition of what boundaries are. And boundaries, this is this definition I got from, her name is Sharon Martin, and she's a licensed marriage and family therapist. And she says, all relationships need boundaries. A boundary is an imaginary line that separates me from you. They separate your physical space, your feelings, needs and responsibilities from others. Your boundaries also tell other people how they can treat you, what's acceptable and what isn't. Without boundaries, people may take advantage of you because you haven't set limits about how you expect to be treated. So there are four points and the boundaries allow you to be true to yourself is the first point. Boundaries create a separateness that allows you to have your own feelings, to make your own decisions, and know how to ask what you want without needing to please others. Number two, boundaries are a form of self-care. Healthy emotional boundaries mean you value your own feelings and needs, and you're not responsible for how others feel or behave. Boundaries allow you to let go of worrying about how others feel and places accountability squarely with the individual. Boundaries also keep you from overextending yourself. You, can, you can't take on every project, work every shift, or be on every committee that you're asked to join. Boundaries may mean saying no to things you don't, that you don't align with, with your priorities. And boundaries create realistic expectations. Whether it's with a friend, spouse, neighbor, or boss, relationship functions best when we know what's expected. When you clearly communicate your boundaries, people know how they're expected to behave. When expectations aren't communicated and met, resentment and anger grow. And finally, number four, boundaries create safety. Boundaries provide physical and emotional safety by keeping out what feels uncomfortable or hurtful. So those are just um, some baseline general descriptions of what boundaries are and how, what they do for us. So 
Janine, I know that when we talk about boundaries and we talk about um, that self-care piece and being true to yourself, I know that that brings in a lot of, I feel like that's expressing love to ourselves. And I know that you had talked about boundaries being a way to express love. Would you like to talk more about that? Yeah, um, I really, really love, it, it seems a little contradictory to have boundaries because often boundaries are portrayed as mean or being rigid, but uh, really they're a way that allows you to become a loving individual. And um, if, if we don't love ourselves, we can't love other people. I think that, that you can try, but it's really not infinite or sustaining. And I love the work that Brene Brown does. She does a lot of shame research, but she has a short clip online that kind of share some principles that she has discovered in her research surrounding boundaries and how um, they create a, a space to be loving, not only to ourselves, but to other people. So she says, she said that one of the most shocking findings in her work was the idea that the most compassionate people, and I'm going to kind of interpret things as, as loving people that she's interviewed over the last 13 years were also the absolutely most boundaried. And um, her definition of a boundary is what's okay and what's not okay. It's a really simple definition, but she says that it's really difficult for people to set boundaries because they're very concerned about what people think of them. And so she says that oh, in this simple definition, she says, what I think we do is when we don't set boundaries, we let people do things that are not okay or get away with behaviors that are not okay. And then we're just resentful and hateful. For me, I would rather be loving and generous and very straightforward with what is okay and what's not okay. I'm not as sweet as I used to be, but I'm far more loving. So she, she goes into this um, expanding the definition that when we assume a, the best about people or boundaries allow us to assume the best about people. And um, she has this acronym called BIG. What boundaries need to be in place for me to stay in my integrity and make the most generous assumptions about you or, or be the most loving, you know, towards you, I guess I interpret that. And she says this generosity, this, this lovingness can't exist without boundaries. And so the key to self-love and to treating others with love is this ability to be able to set boundaries and often when we're dealing with addicts, it, it becomes muddied because they think of these boundaries as being mean and or unrealistic or, um, you know, there's, there's lots of other names that I could think of that, that they kind of view these boundaries about, but um, view these boundaries as. But she says that... Um, that that's not the case at all, that the boundaries are so important in creating this space for us to be loving. And she, she talks a little bit about empathy and compassion and all these things, you know, you can't have empathy without boundaries. You can't have compassion without boundaries. You can't have vulnerability without boundaries. And so <laughs> boundaries are not these thick walls that we might kind of look at them as. They're not separation. They're not division, but they're respect. They're what's okay with me and what's not okay. And Adam Moore, I remember him defining this as the rules of engagement. And so right now in my own personal study, I've been studying about God's love and what it is and what it's not. 
And what I take away from or how I connect Brene Brown's research to boundaries is that really it is key in developing this godlike love that we're commanded to do and have for our fellow human beings. And it's a way that allows us to deal with the addict and the addict behavior, I guess. Can I can I add something to what you're yeah. saying? Yeah, because I love I love how it how you've kind of explained that the love that it brings into relationships is is real, even though the addict or the person who's on the other side of the boundary may call it unloving, they may call it hateful, even you know, or controlling. Um, and I think that that's not uncommon. That's not an uncommon thing to happen. And I love that, um, that still beyond that, you've got this affirmative, this person who's researched and studied and this affirmative, yes, it is loving. No matter what anybody else says, it's the most loving thing that you can do. I love that. It is. And let me connect it to some of the things that we've heard in the scriptures. God is love. God has boundaries. That is what makes him God is that he has these boundaries. And so if we're trying to develop the qualities, these godlike qualities, this is something that we really need to understand how boundaries and love are connected. So there's lots of examples in the scriptures of how God is boundaried. Um, you know, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. If you keep not my commandments, the love of the Father shall not continue with you. If, if a man love me, he will keep my words and my Father will love him. These are all like conditional um, boundaries, so to speak. He's outlining the rules of engagement <clears throat> for us that's going to help us help us be happy. You know, we've heard that. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the laws of the, and the prophet, prophets. And so these are, are conditional. Um, th these scriptures teach conditional ways in which we can feel God's love. And so he is a boundaried individual. And I think there is this philosophy of man mingled with scripture about what God's love is all about and that it's unconditional. And really there is no place in the scriptures where it indicates that God's love is unconditional. In fact, um, as I've been studying president Nelson's talks, he talks about um, there's a, a talk that he has entitled divine love and he says while divine love can be called perfect infinite enduring and universal it cannot correctly be characterized as unconditional and so this is a boundaried principle god has that that makes him god and so i see boundaries as a way that that god can have this infinite sustaining love for each of his children despite all the terrible things that they they do it it protects him and it protects us as well i know it's it's a different way of maybe looking at boundaries but it's it's really a way of protecting ourselves and and this is a quality of god as well so yeah yeah i think god god definitely has boundaries and and while i think that he definitely loves us i i i always like to think of it as a parent child relationship like like my children i say you know you're going to get these privileges if you do what i tell you know if you do what i ask you to do right like if you do your chores if you do you know but if you don't do what i've asked you to do you have no promise sorry <laughs> i still love you but you didn't do what you were asked to do so that's just tough. Now you get to experience the consequence of your choices, you know? And so, yeah, I think that's, that's definitely God is a boundaried God and, and it, 
our his love and those those loving things that god does for us are not unconditional by any means they are based on condition of our of our um acceptance and worthiness to receive that blessing upon which whatever law that we're following is predicated yeah and and what Brene brown talks about is that it this is a a way that this love can be sustainable infinite and sustainable you know ongoing um is when we, we have boundaries and so i i've just tried to connect kind of what she's seeing in her research and and as she's interviewing people um this connection between boundaries and love is is very interesting you know it it doesn't seem um possible sometimes but i think Cherilyn, do you have an example of of this in your own life yes janine i do have a story When I was about 35 years old, my marriage reached kind of a low point. One day I picked up the phone, as I had done many times before. And then after a few minutes of scrolling through his text messages, I put the phone down. And I was cooking dinner, so I turned my attention back to cooking dinner for me and my six kids. I knew that my husband was going to be home any minute. And as I stood there, staring at those pots as I was cooking... My heartbeat increased. My blood began to boil. My palms were sweaty. I was angry. I was thinking to myself, why? Why was he still texting her? And then I heard the front door open, and my husband headed into the kitchen. And as soon as his feet hit the tile floor, um, automatically, programmatically, we got into position. I started this dance off with an accusation and then he pulls me in with denial and gaslighting and around and around we go in this never ending carousel and eventually the fight escalates and we start spinning faster and faster until both of us are out of control and he grabs my arm and I, you know, I say, ouch, that, you know, that hurts. And so I ran out of the kitchen, out of the door, away from him. And I ran to my car, and as I was sitting in the front seat of my car crying, I looked down at my arm, and I begin to see that it's bruising. And so I think to myself, this isn't just emotional damage. I'm now being hurt physically, too. And so I think I need to do something different. I need to set a boundary here. This can't go on any longer. And I realize that this toxic relationship dance needs to end, but I I don't really know what to do. I don't know how to do it. And I think to myself, he's not an abuser. He doesn't really have a violent personality. He never has harmed anyone in the family. And so as I'm thinking this, I reach for the door handle and I get out of the car. And I, you know, these thoughts are going through my mind. And I think if I set this boundary with him, will it push him away? Will it end our marriage? Will my family end? And I really don't know the answer to these questions. And so I'm really perplexed. And so... As I'm heading up to my bedroom, these thoughts are swirling around in my mind. And as I'm getting ready for bed, I kneel down on my knees to pray, to ask Heavenly Father to guide me what to do. And at that moment, a strong impression comes, file a temporary protective order. I say, no, I can't. You know, I, I, I resist. And this is going to ruin everything. This is definitely going to create a, re- a rift in our relationship. So as I'm thinking about this, you know, I, eventually I fall asleep. And then as morning comes, as soon as my eyes open, I hear the impression come again, file a TPO. This time it was a lot stronger and more impactful. And I even felt at peace about it. And then as I went about my day, everywhere I looked, I received more and more confirmations that this is what I was going to do, what I needed to do. So I put my dis- I put my fears and my doubts away and I filed the TPO. And then that night the phone rang, the police confirmed that they were on their way and that they wanted to make sure that my husband was home. I confirmed and then I waited and I was so afraid. I had these thoughts running through my mind. I'm going to ruin my marriage. I'm going to scar my children forever. 
everyone's going to hate me. I'm going to be labeled as the mean mom, a bad wife. The knock at the door pulled me out of my head. The police came into our kitchen, handcuffed my husband, and took him away with six innocent pairs of eyes watching the scene from the couch. Was it over? Was it the end that I had predicted? No, it was the opposite. This was a transformational moment, which turned out to be a relationship gift that drew us closer together instead of pulling us apart. This moment, this gift that we gave each other opened up more romance, more intimacy, more love, and more safety into our marriage. And it was that boundary that I set where we decided, both of us, after softening, that we would learn and start to practice a new dance. And I'm just grateful that I have a husband and dance partner who has been willing to go through the ups and the downs and to um, stick it out and to be faithful to each other in a, in a way that we could have never before without these boundaries. That's a great example, I think, of how boundaries can create the space for love to happen. But really, you would continue to be in these same patterns if you had not set the boundary for yourself. And as Brene Brown's definition of boundary is, you know, what's okay and what's not okay. This, this behavior is not okay with me. And it was, it was the boundary that created the, the momentum to move you in a different direction. I, I think that's a, a great example of I, what, what Brene Brown's talking about and even, you know, what we're taught in the scriptures, but I don't think often yeah, we make I, that connection, you know, of love and boundaries. Yeah. And I think I was the one that was courageous, but I do admit that I was, I did not have good boundaries. You know, I was, you know, doing many of the things that um, we know that we're not supposed to do, you know, snooping, blaming, you know, anger. I was, you know, because I was a fight person, I was, stuck in anger. I was shaming. I was, um, so not only, you know, like did that moment help, it helped both of us. It helped me also realizing that I'm out of bounds too. So I feel like it was a powerful moment that kind of set both of us straight and we both self-corrected. And I feel feel like that's the key is both people have to self-correct it can't just be one person that both people have to self-correct. Well, but even if he, if he made the choice not to self-correct, you would still be safe in, in that, that moment, correct? And yeah, would I be feel... Protect, the boundary would still be protecting yourself. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, and often it's, it's a very scary place. It's very scary to to implement boundaries in a relationship because you really don't know what's going to happen sometimes or you do know what what's going to happen and you're afraid of of what that entails and so I think often women get into this space of um, fear for creating creating that safety for them or that that boundary for themselves yeah I agree with that I feel like it was very difficult for me and I probably wouldn't have been able to do it if I didn't feel like I had been prompted by the spirit to do it and I feel like it was a necessary step for both of us so but I do admit that it was very scary very very scary yeah it is yeah when I came to the realization that I needed physical space from him for a time it it was a very scary place to be because I didn't know what was going to happen I didn't know what decisions he was going to make but I had to realize that this was not about him. It was about me. It was about what I needed to create this space of love for myself because it, I was, I was in this space of being angry all the time. And it was very difficult to have um, good communication with him because I was always resentful. And that's what Brene Brown talks about. It was just, if we don't create this, these boundaries for ourselves, we just become resentful and angry and you know, we don't want to be those. I don't want to be that, that person. 
Yeah. I, I, I was, I was that person (laughs) before I figured out boundaries myself. Also, I, I didn't have boundaries and I allowed things that I didn't want to happen to me, you know, and, and it wasn't until like that first boundary that I ever set was creating space. Yeah. Physical space. Like you said, it was that physical space. Like I needed that physical space because I was any request that I ever made about my physical space. I, I guess I shouldn't say any, I should just say that it was that's overgeneralizing, (laughs) but, but there was always pushback to any kind of attempt at boundary setting, you know, with my husband. And when I finally created that space, I had so much more peace and safety and it just gave me, it gave me the clarity to be able to think clearer and to start making decisions based off of what I needed, the safety that I needed. And that was the first step was just to, for me, I knew that I needed physical space. And, and there was so much pushback when I, when I put, set that boundary in place that I wondered if I could continue, you know, and, and I, um, I remember being in a group and it was an essay group and calling a, calling a temporary sponsor and asking for help with that. And she just said, you know, if, if he's not giving you that space, then you're going to need to create that space. And if that means locking the door, then you go ahead and lock the door. We have included a link in the episode notes for the book, Like Dragons They Did Fight by Maurice Harker. This book teaches eternal principles and accurate science for personal self-mastery to overcome pornography addiction and achieve sexual self-mastery. So go to the episode notes to get your free copy for you or a loved one today. I wanted to, I wanted to kind of go in a little bit into, um, you know, talking about that pushback and, and that, you know, I feel like that pushback made me want to create a larger space um, because I had created space and he was pushing and he was pushing, trying to push past my boundary. And so I had to create an even larger space, a larger boundary. And, and the way it was explained to me was, you know, you, you can create your space. Like if you think of a target, right, a target in the middle is like your small space. This, you know, this is like your personal space. But if you need a little bit more space, there's that outer ring. And then there's still an even farther outer ring, you know, and depending on how somebody is responding to your boundaries, you have the power to push even farther out. You know, that person can get even farther out of those, those boundaries based upon their, upon their behavior and their actions towards you. So I wanted to put that out there because I think that was a, that was a good visual for me to be able to see, okay, I've created this boundary. He's not accepting it and he's still trying to push past it. I need to create a wider space, you know, so he can't push back. And, and, and then once he was, you know, more accepting of those boundaries, I could pull that circle in a little bit more. I could allow him to get a little bit closer, you know, because his behavior was, was, I, you know, it wasn't pushing past, you know, certain boundaries. And so I think what I'm trying to say is that boundaries can ebb and flow. They, they are not, they're not set in stone. They can be changed. Um, And, and also I think it's important to, clarify as well that boundaries 
are not um, ultimatums. When we're trying to meet a boundary or trying to get a boundary met, our boundaries are always based off of what we're going to do to provide safety unless we have a prior agreement. Vicki Tidwell Palmer talks about this in her book, Moving Beyond Betrayal, and she talks about ultimatums and she says that um, a person expressing an ultimatum is often not prepared or willing to follow through with the stated consequence. The message that underlying most ultimatums is, I'm angry and terrified. You better stop fill in the blank, acting out, lying, you better go to therapy, whatever. Um, So I'm angry or terrified, you better stop, fill in the blank. So I won't have to feel this pain. If you don't, I will punish you by fill in the blank. Um, So the ultimatum is an attempt to control another person's behavior. And a boundary is an expression of how you plan to act or take care of yourself. And sometimes I think um, non-negotiable boundaries, uh, which is another term, non-negotiable boundaries can sometimes sound like um, ultimatums. And, and sometimes they can be interpreted as ultimatums, but it's the intent behind it that, that is really what's going to determine whether that's a non-negotiable or whether that's a threat or an ultimatum. You know what I mean? I was going to say, I like to think of boundaries as a fire drill. You know, um, I think that, you know, when, if you think about a fire, you have a plan about what you're going to do. And so I like to think of when I cre- started creating my boundaries, it was, there is going to be an emergency. There is going to be some toxic toxicity in my relationship. And how am I going to deal with that? And it did, um, the my, part of my fire plan was to have stuff that I was going to do, you know? So like, if he, if he did this, then I would do this. So the kind of if then statements. And I felt like, um, I liked that example of a fire drill in an emergency. And then I also realized down the road that they needed to be flexible enough so that, um, I wouldn't for, back myself into a corner. And so I was able to create my boundaries but I was, I did have a plan for how to handle his chaos. And at the beginning, I totally fell into the trap and got hit by the bus. And then eventually I realized, okay, you know, I've got to have a plan for when I see that semi truck coming down the road, what am I going to do? And so it did provide safety for me. And I was, because I had the consequences already put in place or what I was going to do, then it created a sense of safety. So I wasn't caught off guard. I didn't freeze. I didn't fly. I didn't fight. I lovingly said, okay, you've done this. Now this is what I'm going to do. So that's kind of how I think of boundaries. And I like the fire drill examples. What are your thoughts, Janine? So Sherilyn, I have a question. Um, Did you share with him those consequences of the boundaries initially? Or was that just something that you kept inside your heart and you knew kind of what the plan of action was going to be if he wasn't going to create that that place of safety for you. No, I didn't share them with him. I had a plan and I kind of, you know, kept it written down and I would, I wrote it down and I would kind of go back and, you know, I said, okay, I've been hit by the semi truck. Now, how am I going to navigate this situation? And I kind of, because it, it becomes... like a system, you know, so it's like, so I felt like I, I kind of knew what, knew the environment. Does that make any sense? I don't know if that's making any sense. Yeah, I I think so. Sometimes we might share those consequences and other times we, we may not, but I think really it comes down to the intent of our heart is what is our intention? Is it, is it with the intent of controlling his behavior or is it with the intent of creating a space of, of safety for us. So we have right. to really watch well, that and be honest with ourselves about that. And I know for myself personally, it has, in the beginning, it, it was very muddied. Like it was very hard for me to distinguish the difference between the two. 
And um, the more I study about boundaries and the more I practice them, and that's really key is that you have to start practicing them. And you may not like the results that it, you kind of have to let go of what the results are going to be in order for them to be effective, or at least that's the way I feel it's been in my life. I've had to let go of the results. Like I can't be so tied to what I want to have happen that it muddies my intention. Right. Right. Well, and I think, I think it's, I think that there is a place for, for discussion in terms of boundary setting in the way of agreements. And that's something that Vicki Tidwell Palmer talks about in her books. Like you can, you can create boundaries out of agreement. So you can sit down with your husband and you can have a conversation and say, like, you can make a request and it can be something like, Hey, I want you to come home at six o'clock every night, you know, or I want you to call home at six o'clock every night if you're not going to be home and tell me what time you plan on being home or whatever, you know, and, and that is a request. And then he can either agree to it or he can say no, or he can negotiate the request I mean, there's, there's options that can be. So when you want to set down and set out some like ground rules, I guess, for your relationship, it's perfectly okay to have a conversation about that. And she actually, um, in relationships where there is an addict, she, she says that it's good to actually write these agreements down in a notebook, like, um, a, you know, on this date. I agree to, you know, blah, blah, blah. And both, both partners sign it so that it's documented. And then if that agreement is broken, that's when, that's when that boundary can come into play. Okay. You broke this agreement. Now this is, you know, this is what the, the boundary for that broken agreement is. And so you can, you can still discuss them but again, you just, it's that intent, like you said, Janine, that intention behind it is what's really the motivating. Are you intending to control or manipulate by a boundary or are you simply providing yourself with safety? Yeah, I, I like that. But one caveat I would put in there, and this is just from my experience, is that in order to have those kind of conversations, the, your loved one and yourself have to be in a place of repair or you're both in recovery because I feel like I tried to do that kind of stuff with my husband and he just wasn't in a place of healing or recovery. And so it didn't work. So no matter what, if we wrote stuff down, we would enter gaslighting and all kinds of stuff. So I feel like those kind of things in my experience worked when he was more in recovery than when he was in you know, in the, in the addiction. So I feel like that's just something I wanted to throw out. What are your thoughts about that? Do you guys think that's true or not? Yeah, I agree 100% that they may just not be in a place of having those conversations, especially in the early stages of discovery, um, that that is something that may be more uh, down the road kind of conversations to be having with, yeah. So initially it just, it, the boundaries need to be about protecting yourself emotionally and physically, you know, in, in all aspects of your life. But we're talking about emotional safety here and physical safety. It's it, to, to me, it was really easy to distinguish those physical boundaries that I needed um, to create safety for me. And it, it's much more difficult to create the emotional boundaries. But the more I practice it, the more I distinguish, you know, what it is I really need. And I agree too that, that it, it definitely, you have to be in a place where you can have those kind of conversations. And, and it may be that those kind of conversations can only take place in the, in the therapist office, you know, so that you can have a third party present to be able to help negotiate some of these things and, and these, some of these agreements, you know, if you're going to try and do it early on in discovery, I think that would probably be a wiser decision to do it in, 
with a third party um, that's trained and qualified to be able to see those manipulations, the gaslighting, to be able to help kind of direct some of those things to help them not be controlling and, and to really help you to create the space that you need so that you can have the peace and you can have the compassion and you can have the love that you want to have, you know, in your relationship. Yeah. I like the concept of creating safety. There's a method in there called the shield of safety from facing heartbreak with Stephanie Carnes. And she has an acronym called SAFE, S-A-F-E. And for each letter, she um, provides some things that we can do to create safety with boundaries. So S starts for support. Um, We have prayer, meditation, exercise, journaling, you know, calling someone to consider that you consider to be safe or attending a group meeting. These are all ways that you can get support. And we've talked about how important that is in other podcasts. And then, and so with our loved ones in, you know, these, um, these difficult times, we oftentimes take big hits on our self-esteem. And so we start to, you know, develop these love wounds. Um, And I feel like one way to kind of deal with those love wounds is to create an affirmation. And I feel I found that in my life, when I started to see that I had limiting beliefs about myself, you know, I'm worth, I'm not worthy. I'm unlovable. I'm ugly, all these kind of things. And I started to actually become aware of those kind of things. I created affirmations that um, were the opposite of those, because I, I know I have worth. I know I'm, I have all these good qualities, but this toxic environment really challenged that for me. And so I actually wrote out a script that I would listen to every night before I went to bed that would talk about, you know, affirm these, because this was a really difficult thing for me. And so it helped me kind of break that, that habit of doubting myself and, and just going, you know, going to that bad, bad place. And then F stands for focus. And um, once you kind of get into recovery, you start to have goals. And so they recommend picking three or four recovery goals. Like I'm going to, um, you know, I'm going to, for what some of the things for me was I'm going to clean my house. You know, I'm going to um, take a nap. I am going to, you know, these are some of my recovery goals. And then the last one is E, which is encouragement. And then I found a group of people, you know, that would encourage me in the, in the dark times. My parents were one of those people and a few people peppered along the way, but I would reach out to them in times of tough. And once I started doing those things, I really did start to feel empowered and I started to feel safe. What are your guys' thoughts about the SAFE? Yeah, I love, I love that. In fact, I made a, um, as I worked through that workbook, or at least the beginning part of that workbook, I, I made a shield myself and, and in each divided that shield into four sections and, and wrote those um, things that she talks about in each of the sections, the things that I wanted to focus on. And I put it in my room. So I thought it was very effective. And I wrote all my affirmations in a place where I could see them every day and they were on my wall I have poster boards on my wall so I don't forget you know I want to 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 say these things every day um, because there's been so much damage in in our relationship that these things are are so important for us to start telling ourselves so that we start loving ourselves but these are are what I consider boundaries personal boundaries on our own behavior that help us to create a space of, of love for ourselves and then, you know, for others as well. So yeah, I, I felt her exercises to be really helpful to me as well. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I love how you talked about um, the prayer and meditation and 
encouragement. I think for me, my, I think the prayer and meditation were big and, and I actually signed up in the middle of all of this to go do some classes through, uh, through, a BYU Idaho online. And it was, it was incredible. It strengthened me so much to be able to, to be able to have that just constant, there was something constantly pushing me to expand my mind and to grow. And that was kind of one of my, one of my, um, when you talked about my recovery goals was to start, start doing, start doing stuff for me. I'd spent so much time worrying about everybody besides myself and, and that intellectual that for me, that was like an intellectual self-care as well as a spiritual self-care and so many other modes of self-care for me that it, it really gave me the strength and the encouragement to, to do all of the other things that I needed to do uh, on top of, you know, all the other self-care that I was doing. And, and that, that kind of leads in, that will kind of lead into our next, our next podcast. But um, I think that is critical because when we are able to take care of ourselves, when we're able to have those positive affirmations about ourselves, that gives us the, the strength and the courage to be able to set the boundaries that we need to set. I think without having that self-care and those, and those different things, those recovery goals, the encouragement, um, exercise, journaling, I mean, all of those things really give us the strength and the power to be able to find our own inner power to be able to set those boundaries and to be able to set those limits to say, you know what, this is what I'm going to do for me. This is what's okay with me. This is where I'm at. And, and to be okay setting those boundaries, not to have fear, not to have, you know, apprehension about setting boundaries. I think it just makes it so much easier to do those things with that shield and all of the things that are that are pulled into it there. One thing I would like to share with our listeners is that um, because boundaries are so, can be so difficult to kind of wrap your brain around, it's, it is a progression. And um, that there were times in my recovery that I really just wanted to tell, to, I just really wanted someone to tell me what boundaries do I need to set? You know, what boundaries do I need to, to put into place? And they're so individualized. There is not probably that there's not a formula for doing this, I guess, or there's not a, a crate. There's not a, a list that you check off um, that you need to put in place, you know, I need to put this boundary in place and this boundary in place and this boundary in place. I agree with that. I, I find too, that it's a pendulum, you know, and like, as long as we keep moving in, keep moving movement is the thing that makes the pendulum work. If we go back from, you know, back and forth from, I don't have any boundaries. I'm too controlling. And we keep going swinging on that pendulum where we'll eventually come to a place in the middle, which will you know, empower us and, um, help us, you know, get, get the things that we need. Yeah. That's a a good visual. I think that the pendulum and, and the movement that's needed in, um, creating safety for ourselves. And, um, it's, it's kind of a trial and error thing too, you know? Absolutely. And I think that's, I think that's important to realize too, is that nobody, nobody is going to be perfect at it. Nobody's perfect at anything really, right? If you think about it, it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to be extreme and realize, oh, that was too extreme. It is okay. The the biggest thing I think to remember is to not stop trying, Mm -hmm. you know, to give up on boundaries because giving up isn't going to create that safety. The, the way that you're going to learn boundaries is by practicing them 
and by continuing to practice them. And the more you practice them, the better you get at them. And there are so many types of boundaries that I think, um, I think you'll, you'll learn so much as you continue on this path of learning how to set boundaries. Um, I, I wanted to kind of close today and just, I want to thank all of our listeners uh, to listen for listening to our podcast. And we hope that you have gained some new ideas about boundaries and how to use them to help you get the freedom and the peace that you need in your life. And just remember that a personal boundary system is an internal mechanism and it's going to protect you as well as contain your body, mind, emotions, and behavior. So the three purposes of, of boundaries, a personal boundary system is to help an individual prevent him or herself from being victimized and to prevent an individual from being an offender and to give an individual a sense of self. And so I just want you all to know that boundaries will help and that you can find space, you can find connection, you can find peace in boundaries. And so I encourage you to practice those. And if you have any questions, and we also want to make sure that if any of you have any questions or topics that you want us to cover, please feel free to email us at worth at lifechangingservices.org. And we will, go, we will go through them and we will try to address any questions or any topics that you want to hear in, in further podcasts. So thank you again for listening. We love you and we hope that you have found this helpful. Thanks for joining us this week on Healing with Worth. Make sure to visit our website, healingwithworth.org, to enroll in a therapist-led support group or to check out our blog. If you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or wherever you may listen, or simply tell a friend about the show. Be sure to tune in next week for a new episode because you are worth it.